Hello, and welcome to Women With Books. I'm your host, author Lindsay Emery. So much excitement lately. Did you watch the royal wedding? Or even better, did you go to the royal wedding? I'll admit, I may have overdid the celebrations a bit. I got up early on Saturday and joined some friends at a hotel to watch it live. And then we were invited to a fabulous cream tea celebration at Elizabeth Essex's house, where we watched it all over again. But this time we were dressed up in our wedding finery and it was just as perfect and as lovely the second time around. Uh, you can check out my Instagram at Lindsay Emery for more pictures of my special day. My special day! <laughs> As you know, I've been hosting authors of royal books on this podcast, including myself. I guess I can say that now, now that I've announced my next book, The Royal Runaway. Um, I did a roundup on the Women With Books Facebook page last week of the episodes I've done with royal authors, and so you can go check that out and listen to any of the episodes you may have missed if you're still wanting to talk about the wedding, or I'm planning on including a roundup of other royal podcasts in my newsletter this month, so make sure you're signed up for my Women With Books newsletter to get great content like that. Speaking of great content... This podcast has a lot of great content. I work really hard to provide that for you guys, my friends, my buds, and but I'll be completely honest, this is not easy. It takes a lot of hours and frankly, a bit of money to do a podcast. I have to pay for hosting, recording, equipment, and loyal listeners may remember that I briefly set up a Patreon a few months back. And then, <laughs> you know what? I took it down pretty quickly. Um, not because I didn't want anyone to support me. I do. I can accept support. But a Patreon just didn't feel like me. Uh, it, it, it wasn't the right size. It didn't fit quite right. It didn't feel like what Women With Books is all about. I mean, I consider this a community of readers. I mean, a book club. And Patreon was just not for a book club. I mean, you don't pay to support a book club. Um, but many of you have been asking how you can support this podcast that you love so much. Uh, the podcast has grown and evolved quite a bit. And I have grown and evolved with my ideas. So I have set up another account. Um, it's called a Ko-Fi or coffee account. It's spelled K-O-F-I. And when I learned more about it from the people there, I knew that this one feels much more like a women with books thing. Um, it felt much more comfortable, much more casual. Basically, you're buying me a coffee or you're tipping me. It's a, oh, let me get that after we have a great chat at a bookshop or a coffee shop. It's something between friends, and that's what it feels like. And so um, I feel good about that, and I feel good about that method of asking for your support and you providing me that support. And I hope you'll consider buying me a coffee or a tea if you hear a great episode or an author that you love. I put that link in the show notes, and I very much appreciate your support of Women With Books. Uh, so if you hear an author that you love, like drumroll, Amy E. Reichert, uh, who is our guest this week. This conversation was so good. I just could have talked to Amy for hours.
Shivers. Her new book, The Optimist's Guide to Letting Go, just came out last week. It's a huge success. It's beautiful. It's funny. It's yummy. It's all the things. And I know you're going to want to read it and the rest of her books after you hear us talking about them on this week's episode. Um, And P.S., we talked about it a little bit. I think her book, The Coincidence of Coconut Cake, is still on sale as of the date of this podcast. So go grab that ASAP um, because it's awesome. And thank you to the generosity of Amy and her publicist. I have all four of Amy's books to give away to a Women With Books subscriber. That's right. Go to the show notes, subscribe to my newsletter, and if you do it before Friday, May 25th, 2018, you'll get that newsletter and all the details on how to win a grand prize of Amy E. Reichert Book Library, uh, which would be perfect for (laughs) you. or a gift, or Father's Day, you know, whoever. Um, This is the first giveaway I've done in this newsletter, so I'm really excited that I can do this for all of you. And it just is like the perfect way to celebrate spring for me. Um, See, at Women With Books here, we share books, we share coffees. It's just like a real book club. And so welcome to my book club, and welcome to this episode with Amy E. Reichert. All right. Okay, guys, the first 15 minutes of our conversation, we're so good. So hopefully Amy will be able to keep keep up the uh, yes. <laughs> good conversation. Welcome to Women With Books, officially. Thank you for having me. I'm You're, so excited to be here. I am so excited to have you. Y'all, this is Amy Reichert, who is the author of, is this your fourth book? This is my fourth book, which is crazy to say. Fourth book. I feel like... Have you, is this four books in four years? I mean, it feels like it's been really quick. Yes. My first book came out in 2015. So it's been 2015, (sighs) 16, 17, 18. So if you think about it, it's actually three years worth of time that four books have come out. That's, that's hard work. It it is. It's a lot of work. It's Um, a lot of work. (laughs) Yeah. Which is why there is not a book coming out in 2019. (laughs) Oh, man. Because I needed a break. Well, yeah, because so I was just talking about this with another writer friend um, that how, you know, your debut book, you might have been working on for 10 years. Correct. Um, how long did it take you to write Coincidence was, of Coconut Cake? From the day I opened my first, I actually know these numbers because I did the math one day and I like to say it at book events. Uh, from the day that I opened my first Word document to the day it was published was 1,783 days. So just under five years. Yeah. Uh, and I would, I mean, it, obviously I didn't write every day in that time um, because a chunk of that was spent trying to find an agent and then trying to sell the book. But it did take a long time and probably 10 to 15 big edits because it's your first book and you don't know what you're doing. Uh, so, yeah, it took a long time. And that time from conception to publication has gotten significantly shorter with each book. Isn't that amazing? And part of it is you're getting better at it. I'm getting better at it. And for instance, with the Optimist Guide to Letting Go, uh, because um, we wanted to have the galleys at such an early date, we had some shorter deadlines for turnaround. So I was sending like half of my manuscript to my editor while I was working on the second half. And so then by the time I was done, she'd have the first half. So there was, I I work 
my, my editor is amazing. Her name is Kate Dresser at Gallery, and we work really, really well. I think I can send her the most sloppy, awful drafts, and she will see the potential and know exactly what to tell me so that I can put it in the right direction. She's just, she's my book soulmate. <laughs> Amy, I'm not going to lie. I'm, you're, I'm listening to you saying this, and, like, I started tearing up. My heart, no, no, no. I like stress of that idea of sending someone just a part and be like, and your editor and your editor, Kate Dresser at gallery and be like, here's something I just worked up over the weekend. What do you think? I mean, that just made me so stressed out. It's more like the deadline is three days away. Here is my half unfinished draft. I'll get you the rest in a few days. Here's what I got. <laughs> well, and that's, I, I'm sure she, I shouldn't say I'm sure. I don't. I doubt she does this with everyone. But that is sort of the difference between a first manuscript and a fourth manuscript, mm-hmm. because that first manuscript, before it gets to that editor, it's pretty polished. Yeah. Whereas I was, we developed the idea for my my optimist uh, while I was under contract. So because they bought a to be determined fourth book, uh, so we developed it together, and. Um, and we created the deadlines and I am a deadline writer. So I will write until that deadline and then I'll send whatever is in. And sometimes it wasn't always done. And I would leave little notes for her in the manuscript saying, I know this is awful. I know it needs to be better. (laughs) These are some of my ideas and it works for us. We, we work well that way. Yeah. At least she pretends that she doesn't mind it. I don't know if that's the case. (laughs) I think it's definitely part uh, personalities. Like some personalities can handle that. Some people yes. can't. I think it's also a function that it's been your fourth book and you guys have worked. Did y'all work together for all four books? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And so she knows your finished outcome is going right. to be, you know, acceptable. <laughs> she knows what I can do. And that's the other beauty. Right. She knows what I can do. So she knows when I'm trying to sneak in some shoddy work and she'd be like, Amy, you can do way better. <laughs> Are you kidding uh, but me I, right now? Yeah, but I do remember when I turned in the first draft for Optimus. Like, I didn't even write the last chapter. <laughs> she just got to the end and it said, and then this happens. And then that was it. <laughs> but, and it got there. The last chapter's there now. So that's the important part. <laughs> do you find the last chapter hard to write? Um, Or did you just run out of time? I ran out of time. Okay. and. Because it needs to be, you know, you have to sort of tie, you need to know what you need to tie up in that last scene. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really know at that point which threads were going to be important and which ones still right. needed to be tied up. So I I don't like doing work that I know I have to redo. Mm-hmm. It's one thing if you do it and you think it's good and then you realize, oh, this can be a lot better and, and you fix it. But to know, to just write something, to have it written, I can't do that. So it has to have purpose. I'm also notorious for really short first drafts. I think my first draft of Optimist, you know, considering I didn't write some chapters, uh, was 55,000 words. (laughs) That is really short. (laughs) It is. I think it comes from, I'm totally just going off base here now. So I hope you don't have a, a structure that I've completely veered off of. No, no, we're, I'm, okay. I'm flexible. Awesome. Um, I you, Before I was a, a, a novelist, I was a tech writer. 
And in tech writing, you're writing instructions for how to do something, and you want it to be short and clear and concise. So when I write my first draft, it's very concise, and these are the steps, and this is what's happening. And so my subsequent drafts are usually me fleshing that out and bringing in the emotion and bringing in the details, and, and that's sort of my process. I'm always adding versus a lot of people who are, you know, cutting 20,000 words. That would be, I can't imagine cutting 20,000 words. That makes me twitchy. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm I, actually, that's really interesting because I'm kind of the same way. I, I, I am, was an attorney mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. really good legal writing. I mean, the, the idea of these huge long briefs and papers, that's, yes. that might be true, but really good legal writing is facts analysis yes. facts analysis yes. and you do want to keep it as short and sweet mm-hmm. and to the point as possible so I, I write shorter books I think for that reason and I also have author I also have editors being like can't you describe something <laughs> or make us feel something right this uh-huh. needs a little ending a nice little button what is this person thinking <laughs> uh, half of my my editors comments are we need more and then something and it always reminds me of that Saturday Night Live skit um, with Christopher Walken where it's I need cowbell. more cowbell more cowbell <laughs> so that's always what I think of my when my editor's reading <laughs> I, need I like more that cowbell. yes I think that that is pretty much yeah that's pretty much it yeah. and sometimes it is make a sound like have them yes. do something here but I yes. do like see I asked you about that last chapter because I, I love writing the last chapter yes um, it's just like the five chapters leading up to it that is like pulling teeth. <laughs> no, you know, I, <laughs> I like just skipping to it. Yeah, I get that. I actually, I struggle with the last chapter from the sense that I want it to leave readers with that sense of, oh, that was a great story and kind of hugging the book. But there is a line between that feeling and really cheesy and trite that mm. is sometimes difficult to walk and I like to think I'm more on the oh that was a nice comforting read versus cheesy and trite but so I I that's where I struggle with my last chapter mm-hmm. I like it I agree but yeah so all of your books um, have so much there's there's continuing threads throughout them not that they're a series but Correct. um or I think there might be you said I think I read online someplace that you do leave easter eggs I leave little little nuggets them. um for instance uh, my character in the Optimist Guide to Letting Go is she has a food truck, and she's in Milwaukee. And in my first book, uh, one of the characters is a food critic. So there is a little nugget in a scene where, in her food truck, she has her review from that food critic. So that kind of stuff. That's awesome. Yeah. Because they are almost all set in Milwaukee or Wisconsin. Correct. Okay. Yes. And then they all have a lot to do with food. Yes. <laughs> for the most um, part <laughs> because you like to eat it and I do cook it, I do I love I do love to cook and I love to bake and I loved I really love to eat it um I and I also feel like food is it's a universal experience we all have to eat and usually when there's a big event in our life it's there's food there a lot of our memories are tied to the taste and to the smells of food. Uh, and so those are really 
universal touchstones that readers can relate to. And I, and I, food is important to me in my life, so I, it's going to make it into my books. Um, and I love writing about food. It's just you also, fun. you also kind of always make it like, it's a, well, your books, I don't want to say there's, they're not sexy, but there's, there's like a, <laughs> there's, like people use food to woo people. Yes, sometimes. And yes. Emotionally, and like not even like I'm going to get you in a bed kind of wooing, right. but like this is how we're going to bond. This is how we're going to. It's how you be connect. In, yeah. And, yes. Um, so that's always fun to read. It is. Um, so you've already mentioned that your heroine or the protagonist in Optimus Guide to Letting Go mm-hmm. has a food truck, and it's a grilled cheese food truck is yes. this a real thing these are real things that exist uh there's one in milwaukee called the gouda girls uh, <laughs> uh and I, there might even be more um and actually when i'm on my book tour i'm gonna try and see how many grilled cheese food trucks i can find uh because i think that would be fun and i tried yeah. to convince my publisher to send me on tour in a grilled cheese food truck and they did not agree wow that's weird <laughs> Seems like it would be such a hit. <laughs> Wouldn't that be awesome? That would be so much fun. Um, I think a couple of weeks ago you had something on your Instagram. Mm-hmm. You posted a picture of a grilled cheese, I and did. you said, "I will be starting to post more pictures of these." And I'm, I had a really hard time with that because I don't um, want to gain ten pounds oh. in the weeks up to your book release. <laughs> So do you feel responsible when people say I have eaten so much or no. cooked so much because of your books? No, I put it, my disclaimer is I'm not responsible for any weight gained <laughs> <laughs> because I hear that a lot. I, you I'm know, sure be, you do. You know, cause cake is the, my first book, the coincidence of Co- coconut cake is very food centric. It's a chef and a restaurant critic. So every major scene revolves around food and describing the food. Uh, so I'm sorry if you get hungry. I apologize, but <laughs> it's, it's right the deal. there. In, it's right there in the title. It's right there in the title, and this one's a little bit more sneaky. This is my first one that doesn't have a recipe in it, because I kind of feel if you can't cook a grilled cheese without a recipe, <laughs> you're not cooking. So, <laughs> well, I didn't want to ask you about that because I'm, you know, typing in your your titles to mm-hmm. to make notes and stuff, and I'm like. Could she just not come up with a cheese title or, you know? Correct. There was, it was, in this case, it was too cheesy to come up with, to a, come cheese up with a cheese related title. It would have been, because the book, this book is a little bit more bittersweet than my other mm-hmm. three. Um, it still has, to me, it still has a happy ending because uh, my characters find resolution uh, it is less romance than my other three books. Um, and so the cheese just didn't seem to fit with the content. Yeah. So uh, we did, we went through a couple different title iterations. Um, for a long time, it was just the mom book. <laughs> because I don't worry about titles. I know there's authors who can't write their book until they have a title. And to me, it either comes to me or it doesn't. Uh, and then for, what did I write this? Oh, for, and, and the book is framed with 10 questions. So there are 10 parts to the book and each part is a different question. So for a while it was called 10 questions or 10 questions to ask your mom. Um, so that, but that just didn't seem to work. And then my editor actually came up with the Optimist Guide to Letting Go. And I'm like, that is the perfect name. 
That is a really good name. Yeah. Um, well, actually, I was going to ask you about, so the, well, for those who haven't read the book yet, it's going to just come out when, when this podcast release. So um, it is a multi-generational story, um, three generations, um, grandma, mom, and daughter. Yes. And the middle generation, who is both mom and a daughter, um, yes. Gina. Yes. She writes lists. She a is lot. a yes. She is a, a a compulsive list maker. Are you a compulsive list maker? Um, not to the extent of Gina. Uh, it depends on my level of stress. The more stressed I am, the more lists I have. Uh, and I do always have a list going. Um, but certainly not. Like I feel like Gina would be one of those bullet journal people. <laughs> Yes, yeah, that's what I was kind of thinking. Yeah, <laughs> which I could have, I didn't. It didn't occur to me to put into the book until after it was done. I'm like, I'm not going back. Um, but she strikes me as someone who would really like that. And I'm really, I have my ongoing one that I will cross things off for a couple days and then I'll rewrite it. Uh, and eventually, I'll just knock off things that I realize I'm never going to do. <laughs> That is very important. Yes. Because you have to realize there's a reason why I haven't done that yet. Right. Sorry, doctor. (laughs) (laughs) I'll get there someday. (laughs) Sorry, dentist. Yes. Oh, I know. You'll be a 2019 priority. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I'm kidding. I go to the dentist. That's one I actually get to every six months. The other doctor, not as often. You know, once I had to start, this is just a total side note. This is what this podcast uh-huh. is. Once I started going with my kids, yes, I started going every six months again. Because yeah. obviously, like, we make all of our appointments together. And if I don't go, then my kids are going to be like, wait, I don't, you don't have to go? <laughs> like, what yes, am I doing? exactly. That is exactly what happens in my family. Of course, my yeah. husband doesn't go very often, but he's on his own. I don't make his appointments. <laughs> Your um, we've already mentioned this, but the in the oh, the food... oh I'm so sorry. That's, that's fine. Oh no, it's like good luck in podcasting world if the dog barks. It's yeah, like what? a bird pooping on you. Yes. Do you need to go take care of it? No, she she. There's just the mail guy, and, oh, okay. and so she needs to warn me that the mailman is coming, so that I'm not sneak attacked by the mailman. Um, and dog. I'm trying to keep her quiet today because yesterday she did something to her leg and she's limping. So I don't want her, normally she would be running back and forth and going from the back of a couch, running through the dining room, looking at that window, running over to the other one. Um, Yes. So she's protecting us from the mailman. Well, she's so adorable. I saw her on your website. I know. She's my little fluffer pups. She is a fraggle too. She is such a fraggle. Mm -hmm. Yes. She's, well, actually, technically it's the dog and fraggles and it's Sprocket. And it's, she's identical to Sprocket. It's frightening. Yes. That's what I meant. I mean, yes. when I think of I a fraggle dog, that's, that's what I meant. Um, <laughs> I could talk dogs all day. Well, maybe that should be your next book. <laughs> it could be. Um, there okay. is, yeah, that would be fun. I, do, I could I think, see you writing a vet story with like a lot of crazy animals. Fun. I'm just that throwing that fun. out there. I give, this is one thing I do on my podcast. I give people free ideas. That's awesome. <laughs> Well, and I only have, in, in in my four books, there's only one dog. And Daisy, who's my dog, actually makes an appearance in Luck, Love, and Lemon Pie. So they have a Daisy dog. Yeah. I would I, like to I, see a Reichert 
Amy Reichert veterinarian story. I could see that. And the cupcake lady next door. I don't know. Oh, it is so funny. I have some of my son's friends, uh, because they know I a lot of my books have food in the title and and they also have alliteration so they keep trying to give me ideas like friends family and funnel cake (laughs) (laughs) i'm like i'm not sure that's gonna work but could try (laughs) i got it i got it the dog bakery oh that sounds like i'm baking dogs (laughs) 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 that could go very wrong yeah (laughs) all right we'll we'll keep working on it all right um yes but I did want to ask, because we've already mentioned it, the food truck thing. Because mm-hmm. um, I do think I remember seeing them in Coconut Cake, maybe, when they're going around town eating all the things. But um, are, they, are food trucks a thing in Milwaukee? As they, like they are, are getting everywhere? to be more of a thing. Um, not and, so much as, like, like when, we were, when we were in D.C. visiting, they have different spots around the city at various times a day where there are food trucks. Mm-hmm. There, I think there are a few like that, and they are starting to show up more and more at events. Um, for instance, my daughter ha- plays lacrosse, and they do a big tournament every year, and there's usually, rather than the the sport providing like a stand with hot dogs and stuff, they actually bring in food trucks. So it's kind of cheaper for everybody, and you have better food. That's so, really smart. Yeah, it is really I'm, smart, and they're a fun little business. I love food trucks. I've, I, I've never been to a bad one yet. It's funny for me because I've spent most of my life in Texas mm-hmm. where some version of a taco truck has yes. always been here. I cannot yes. remember a time or, you know, some kind of thing like that. Mm-hmm. And so it's hard for me to – it's now seeing the rise of, like, the trendy food truck. Right. I'm, I kind of look at it like – is this a thing other places or is this something that Texans are just kind of going like, oh, it's more for the, than just tacos? <laughs> well, and I, for tacos. I think it also is because I know California probably had a lot of the same as mm-hmm. well. Right. Um, and I do think in colder climates, like up here, you just don't see them as much because they're kind of weather dependent a little bit. Uh, You know, food trucks are a lot more difficult to do in the winter when you're contending with snowbanks on the side of the road. Uh, So that is a little bit trickier, especially when snow can happen in April. Yeah. Like we had last week. (laughs) And who wants to come out and eat outside when there's there's snow on the ground? Or stand in line, exactly. Maybe y'all are tougher than I am. We are tougher than you, but... (laughs) I believe it. (laughs) Because we will stand out in line... And, and do something like that. Uh, yeah. Because it's just, it, you have to. You, if, you, if you're going to stay inside all winter, you're going to go nuts. Um, I read somewhere, I don't remember uh-huh. where, um, <laughs> that you love Hallmark movies. I do love Hallmark movies. They're just about them? so much, because they're just, you know, when you sit down for a Hallmark movie, it might be a little cheesy, but, and it might be a little bit predictable, but it's going to make you feel happy at the end and maybe a little swoony somewhere in the middle. Uh, and it's going to be just fun. You're going to feel good when you're done watching it. And I love them. And it is my dream someday to write a Hallmark movie, specifically a Hallmark Christmas movie, because I think I'd be amazing at it. <laughs> and I think, I think would. it would be so much fun. Oh, I think it goes perfectly in with your, quote, brand. Yes, I do, too. <laughs> Um, and I would love, I would be 
over the moon thrilled if they ever converted one of my books into a movie, but we'll have to see. Yeah, I, I can see that. They're they're very hallmarky. They are. And I mean that as a compliment. I know, do too. It's just, yeah. I know. My husband like is so silly about it. He's like, well, you wouldn't want that. Well, first of all, the traditional rom-com type movie is dead. You just don't know. see them in movie theaters. The place where they thrive is on Hallmark. And I wouldn't be surprised if you started seeing more of them on like Netflix mm-hmm. and even Amazon Prime. Uh, so that is where a book like mine is going to get made into a movie. So hopefully yeah. someday when I have 15 books out and they can have a deal with me like they do with Debbie Maycomer. <laughs> I loved that series that they made out of her books. Um a few, I think it was like December of 2016. Mm-hmm. I just, I was stressed out and aghast at the world in general. Yes. And I just watched this perfect, I, I, I binged the whole thing and I just watched this really unrealistic, yes. <laughs> perfect world yes. where the worst thing that was happening was someone was trying to tear down the lighthouse. Right. <laughs> You know, sometimes I I actually think about this a lot when I'm writing is I struggle since you're a writer as well. You know that you have to have stakes in your book. Yeah. And you know what? I just don't want everyone to be dying from cancer or dealing with drugs or all of these awful, really dark things. So sometimes it's hard to come up with stakes that are high, but are also not really dark and awful. And I love that in that movie, it's and book it's the lighthouse yeah (laughs) those are those are tangible stakes they're meaningful but they aren't you know life or death sometimes things aren't life or death yeah but they're still important i um last year and i'm working on the the free novella that i'm doing chapter by chapter in my newsletter this year is basically like my hallmark christmas movie and it is i just i love getting into it and just being like you know thinking okay what would a Hallmark Christmas movie do next oh, right. they would have like this thing and then this thing and then um, I highly recommend it just for happy days just having like your little Hallmark project on the side well it's so <laughs> funny that you mentioned that because I've been toying with the idea of a, a novella using um, some characters from the Quincents of Coconut Cake because oh. that's so you know as of now that's that's been my most popular book a lot of people really responded to those characters and I always thought it would be fun to go back and revisit them uh and so I actually have an idea for sort of a Christmas themed book like novella for that Mm -hmm. that I think would be fun I just have to sit down and write it and it is exactly what you're saying like a Hallmark movie (laughs) what would in fact I actually have printed out common Hallmark movie tropes (laughs) So I can play with that. <laughs> I think that sounds perfect. Because like a common fun. Hallmark Hallmark movie trope would be like, save the bakery, save the right. restaurant. The, right. the neighborhood gets together to help old Mrs. Pringle right. like decorate her house. Right. Um, I think yeah. this one would actually have a Christmas wedding in it, but oh. I know. And then everything goes wrong. Right. And there's a snowstorm. Oh, right. See? We could, we could, it's just, it's it's one of those things that's a matter of, I need to sit down and plot it out. And I think it'd be so much fun. I actually think that that's the next thing I'm going to write. 
um, and just is see. your editor killing me right now? No, 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 no. Okay, <laughs> um, no, because we're. I, if if it goes well, hopefully it's something that would be published, mm-hmm. versus um, just something I post for free. But mm-hmm. if they don't want it, I would absolutely self-publish it. Yeah, it's fine. And see what happens. And but it's just like a little gift. Like that's what I did it last is. year. It's like here's my little gift to the world yes. for 99 cents. <laughs> well, and I've tried to sell her, you know, follow-up book ideas on other characters and I don't think at least for me they want a full sequel type book, mm-hmm. which is totally fine because I will tell you there is a character in Luck Love and Lemon Pie named Doyle that I want to write his book so badly and I cannot convince my editor that this is something that needs to happen. <laughs> so, that will have to probably be a novella someday too. <laughs> It's really hard. It's really hard when you can't convince them that your ideas are the best. Right. (laughs) Who cares about selling books? Let's just publish it. I just, if any of my, our editors or agents are listening to us right now, come on. (laughs) Or just agree with us already. That's right. You know you want the Doyle book, Kate. It'd be said in Ireland. Who wouldn't want that? Yeah. And you'd have to do research. Do you do research for your books? I do do research. I mean, you have to do research for your book. Um, I do do some. Do you though, Amy? Do you? I, well, I think you should. I think that's just sort of good anyway. Cause, yeah. I mean, I, I will admit that the reason that my first book is set in a restaurant with restaurant critics is because I worked in so many restaurants. I didn't have to do as much research on that component versus like um, The Optimist's Guide to Letting Go, where I had to do a lot of research about, because there's also a lot of flashbacks in this book that take you back to the 70s and the 90s. So I had to do research on what is the Mm -hmm. house decor? What were people wearing? um, What were the cars like? That kind of stuff. So I could set it, and also some military stuff is is in the book, mm-hmm. um, and then of course food trucks. I you know I'd never worked in a food truck before. I know how to make grilled cheeses. I know how it would be arranged. So I had to do lots of stuff like, like that. And my next book, I'm hoping, will be set in a different part of the state. Right. Oh, let's not go with that one yet because I we'll go with simplicity of cider. I did a lot of research on how cider is made. I took a couple of trips to Door County, which is the part of Wisconsin where that's set. Uh, so yeah, mm. I do do, I do research and I take that seriously. I think I need to switch over to food genre because <laughs> seriously, just here, here, I think the first time I heard the simplicity of cider, like my mouth started to water. Uh, I just love it so much. And it was absolutely, it's always fun how book ideas come about. And that book was just simply, I wanted to write a book about hard cider because I love it. And I wanted to have an excuse to buy it whenever I could. <laughs> and even now, whenever I go into a, a liquor store, I will look at all the different ciders and purchase ones that I'd never tried before. Uh, and because it's just fun. Uh, and so that's where that book came from. And then I started thinking, well, where in Wisconsin would be the most likely place for somebody to do this? Well, Door County, where if you put your hand in front of you and the little thumb is sticking out. It's kind of like a map of Wisconsin and door County is the little thumb that sticks out into Lake Michigan. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's full of orchards, cherry orchards and apple orchards. So it was the perfect place to set. And it's also just very vacationy, very, um, 
idyllic. It's just a love pastoral is another good, oh good word. You for, just you yeah. just sold so many copies of this book. <laughs> I mean, it was everyone's... a fun. I really loved writing. Uh, every book is its own journey, but the simplicity of cider was just a joy from step one to the end. Like I never had a moment in that book where I didn't think I could write it or I didn't know where, where I was going to go or it just wasn't a delight. Usually in most of my books, I have a moment where I stare at the screen. I'm like, I don't know how to fix this. And I burst into tears and I don't think I can do it. But cider was just a joy. I had never really been into cider. I mean, I guess I'd had it in college, woodchuck or something, you know, and, um, until a few years ago, I went to Paris with a good friend of mine and we went to a restaurant that served artisanal ciders mm-hmm. and they basically like have a wine, it was like this, a wine list, but for yes. ciders, yes. they had notes that had where it was from in the mm-hmm. year mm-hmm. and you could order it. And we were like, well, let's, I mean, it is so good. Totally different than Wichucks. Totally different. Delightful, mm-hmm. addictive. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. Now I'm dreaming. Now I'm I dreaming. Know. But well, there's a brand down here in Texas that started, and I don't know if you can get it up there, but it's actually, and normally I wouldn't do cider from a can because right. of my college Woodchuck experience. <laughs> but I was in a store one day and they were doing samplings, and it was really good. I'll have to look up the name. It's, a, it's an Austin brand. I've probably had it because I've okay. been to Austin and I made a point of trying their cider and I just, I know, I think I know what you're talking about. It was delicious because I they went to a barbecue a... joint and they had it. I'm like, well, yeah. I guess I'm having this. They had uh, like a pineapple mm-hmm. and then a different flavor and the pineapple, I I wouldn't normally do that, but I was like, this would be good by the pool in yes. the summer with tequila. <laughs> I am very snobby about my ciders. I don't like, like it, it just didn't cheap booze right now anywhere there's this trend of injecting fruit flavors into everything from beer to those hard soda drinks to i just that irritates me Mm -hmm. if it's not a natural flavor i don't want it in my cider um the one exception is there is a cider that's made in door county where they take the cherry juice from the local cherries and they actually ferment that as well and they inject that into their apple cider and that is okay because now you have two real fruit juices that are combining versus artificial flavors. Like, I don't want a mango cider. Don't give me that. <laughs> that is not okay. Well, and then the, if it's from Door County, it's Door County cherries and Door County exactly. apples. I mean, it's like God wanted them to be put together. I agree. And the, it's delicious. Um, oh, and I just, I will good. drink, and I, I don't even mind woodchucks. I mean, I think there are certain woodchucks varieties that aren't bad. Like, they have a, a red label that's their amber, which isn't bad. They have one that's a little bit drier. I can't remember which one it is. That's not bad. Um, yeah. You said you do recipes. Do you do tasting notes or I <laughs> like recommendations? Do, if I do have, if you look at my Instagram feed, I do, usually if I have cider, I will post a little thing that today's cider is blank. And I will give a little rundown on what I think of it. That's a great. Yeah. And every once in a while. Perk. Yeah. Every once in a while, someone will be like, hey, what cider do you recommend? I'm like, well, I always go for what's local first and go from there. And cider, one of the things I learned is people always think of it as beer. And if you want to see me get real twitchy, if people call it a cider beer, I'm going to go over the moon angry. It is not <laughs> beer. It is not brewed. It is fermented like like wine is. Um, in fact, the process is very similar to winemaking. 
and you end up with a whole wide range just like you do in wine where you have you know your sweeter ones you have some that have bubbles some that don't um, and you have it can be very dry and champagne-y so there's this whole wide range I've even had some that are really funky almost like a like a, a blue cheesy kind of barnyard funk which mm. is really interesting that was a French cider you're gonna get that in your European ciders um, because just like grapes, it has to do with where the apples are grown. Well, I love it. I mean, you're not only local with all the books you write and the food and drinks you consume, mm-hmm. but you also um, are on your library board. I am. Are you still? Okay. I am. How did you I... get involved with that? Because that sounds fun. It is super fun. Um, I got involved, um, like so many things uh, in local government, somebody drops off and they're like crap we have to fill this (laughs) who do we know so uh i am actually every library board works a little differently but in my community there are lots of small communities and almost all of them have libraries so and there are people who are kind of outside like the area that's considered you know this is the library zone um and so they needed somebody who was using that library, but technically didn't live in that city. So I fit that bill and someone said, hey, Amy likes books. And I just joined the library board. And it's been a lot of fun. And since then, it's very low key. We meet once a month. Our, our library director runs things very smoothly. So it's super easy. I am by far the youngest person on the library board. Many of the other people have been there for like 20 plus years, which is amazing. Um, Recently, I also started, I I started on the library systems board. So our library is part of a larger group, uh, which is a two county system. So I'm now on the system board that oversees all of those libraries. And that has been very educational because um, at that level, you just have to know a lot more about how the library boards interact with the state government and it's been very educational it's been a lot of fun uh, and it's something I'm just really passionate about because libraries are wonderful and people just think that they are all about oh you go and you check out a book and that is such a small sliver of what libraries offer to communities so I could talk all day <laughs> no I, I'm fascinated and I have I love hosting librarians on the podcast because yes. I um just love picking their brains and finding out how do you do this and it's so it's such a huge so important so important to our communities it is really so important to a community and a thriving library will just change an area and one of the things we actually just recently talked about that if you go into a library you'll see that the majority of people who actually walk in the doors are generally moms or families with young children or they are sort of the older retired people because those are the ones that have the time to stop by the library all the time and are usually on more fixed incomes. And so we were discussing, well, how do you tap into this market of the people in between? Where are they doing? What are they doing for their books? And I don't think a lot of people realize that you don't have to go to your library to get access to books. They have Mm -hmm. Overdrive, which allows you to get eBooks, they have um, access to audiobooks. So I've actually, even though I don't check out books very often, I do almost always have an audiobook going that I never have to go to the library to check out. It just shows up on my phone. 
That is so fun. Yes. And I love audiobooks now because <laughs> it's easy. I don't have to go anywhere. They just show up when they're available. It's awesome. I think that's going to be my summer project. I have not fully gotten into audiobooks, but I think this summer with having kids around mm-hmm. and not maybe them respecting my quiet reading time, maybe right. <laughs> I should just like have audiobooks in my head all the time. Well, and I bet your look can, and audiobooks are expensive unless you yeah. pay for, and I don't, I don't, and I, that's why I never was into them. I'm, I'm not paying $30 for a book when I can get it for 10 or 15. Um, but there is an application that is associated with OverDrive called Libby. And I think OverDrive lets you, it depends on what application your library uses. But you can check out your library's online catalog for audio and ebook. And they'll, yeah, it's so easy and it has been life changing. I like to listen to, I read all fiction, but almost all fiction, unless I'm doing research. But I really love listening to celebrity memoirs when they are narrated by the person and it's just so much fun fun. it's like tina fey is talking to me (laughs) she totally is she's talking just to me it's amazing um so i normally i sometimes i work at the library or i just go there and get books and um but normally during the day Mm -hmm. and so but recently i had i think i dropped a kid off for soccer practice Mm -hmm. or something and had to run over the library and um, so it was in the evening and it was, I feel so dumb saying this, but it was a completely different clientele, yeah. which yes. I'm like, I, I feel dumb that I didn't realize that. But that's when I saw, I saw a lot more um, people who were immigrants and maybe had been working that day. And I'm like, I love that. I see the moms with young kids and maybe yes. older people during the day and then I come at night and there's like people who've been working all day and are like oh now I'm gonna go use some resources at the library get my books get yep. my you know classes or my events or that kind of thing so yes that just showed me how important it is it is so do you, important do you get to help pick out books that's what I really want um to know. I <laughs> <laughs> um I I don't get to technically pick them out, but I have been known to give my director a list of books that I think should be in their catalog. <laughs> I, I think that's entirely appropriate. I think yeah. long lists that are taped to their desktop screens. Yes. <laughs> yep. And, you know, she's usually because they they love recommendations on what books and people often they get discouraged because maybe they want a specific book and they go to the library and it's not there. Um, it's one thing if it's already checked out or there's waitlist, but if your library, you know, for instance, if people want to read my books and my books aren't available at their library, they just need to say, hey, would it be possible for you to purchase the Amy E. Reichert books? And there is a good chance they will. And then you will be first on the list to get them uh, because they want to have books that their readers want, that their their patrons want to read. So they absolutely would do that. And so for ask. you in your local, if you're in Wisconsin, you need, or anywhere close to Wisconsin, mm-hmm. you need to be requesting your librarians get Amy E. Reichert books because yes. they're all about your area. Yes, absolutely. Great. Though I have to say being on the um, system board, I have Googled this and I, I'm pretty sure it's in all of our libraries. <laughs> As it should good be. Good job. Good job. <laughs> you don't have to fire anyone now. No, they're all good. No, they're actually really sweet and they often have me in to speak at their libraries, which is awesome. Oh, 
Is... But I am a huge fan of libraries, and I love that people use them. One of the other fun things that I've recently learned that libraries have access to, because again, I don't want to leave my house if I don't have to, um, you can access a lot of magazines online through your library's website. They have databases where you can search different magazines. For example, um, recently the Library Journal had a review of The Optimist Guide to Letting Go, and I don't have a subscription to Library Journal, and it's not like something I can find at my grocery store, but I was able to access a copy, digital copy of the magazine from the library website, and it was pretty fantastic, and I was able to get a screenshot of the review, which is kind of darn cool. That is cool. So, fun fact for people who need to just find one little thing in a magazine somewhere, you can actually do that through your library as well. That is really handy. It is. While we are talking about the books that you are recommending, why don't you, do you have any books that you recommend or you're reading lately? Or oh, that you... so many books. Um, <laughs> and I'm going to say this just because we talked about her before we actually started. I love Chris Stewart's and Harvey's books. Yeah. I always yes. worry I'm going to get her two last names mixed up. Um, her, they're just the perfect summer book. And I know Secret to Southern Charm is out right now. Uh, and that's book two in her Peach Tree Bluff series. And it's so good. And it's so perfect for this time of year. And Christy, um, if you're listening, we were only saying good things. We were <laughs> saying all the good things. All of them. And we want you to decorate our houses. Yeah, that's basically. That's pretty much the conversation right there. Um, and I'm just, I'm not in my office. So I'm just trying to picture my bookshelves. And um, what I've read recently that I loved. I recently reread Simon versus the Homo Sapien Agenda by Becky Albertalli. And because that was made into the movie Love, Simon. And I just loved that book. And that movie is fantastic. Um, I, I'm listening to Tiffany Haddish's The Last Black Unicorn, uh, which is fantastic and hilarious and heartbreaking. Uh, and that girl has seen some stuff. And it is mm. so astounding that she is just, she's just, taking over the world and I'm so excited for her um I'm trying to think what else I've read recently because I've been on quite the binge um and I have a bunch of books that I need to blurb but I haven't gotten to them yet uh I read the Kevin Kwan series the crazy rich Asians those were mm -hmm. fantastic and if you love sort of big sprawling over the top soapy books or if you really loved like Dynasty in Dallas in the 80s I think you would love this because it's that sort of big over the top wealthy people doing ridiculous crazy things uh, but it's set mostly in um, Asia which is amazing have you seen the trailers for the movie I cannot wait out? I it makes so me want to read read everything I, I probably will I need to start on that but um so excited it, it looks so well you know you said that earlier about rom-com mm -hmm. being dead and i see yes. these and i'm like this might this might fulfill my need to see it might fun lighter romance on screen i agree i i agree and i'm really hoping they nail it because i am just so excited for this movie and their cast is amazing so <laughs> i just i'm very very excited about that um, I am always a sucker for anything written by Maria Semple. I love her. Where'd You Go, Bernadette is one of my favorite books. Um, I love Rainbow, Ra Rainbow Rowell. Um, a lot of people only think of her for Eleanor and Park and Fangirl, which are her young adults. Uh, but she has an adult 
rom-com called Attachments, which to me is one of the best romantic comedies ever written. It is I so good. Agree. Uh, and I always recommend that. It's one of the few books that I have finished mm-hmm. and then immediately reread. Oh. And that's only like three books that I can think of off the top of my head. That's Just because I, I finished it and I'm like, I want to go back and like see how she did you know like sometimes that's like the writer in me like yes how did she just do this so effortlessly and so so good yeah and so many people don't know about it I'm like you need to read this book if you Mm -hmm. like yeah I just I love her and I met her once and I completely dorked out um (laughs) but that's okay I would too uh and I I, we have a selfie together and it's my favorite thing ever um (laughs) I'm just thinking. And then then there's a lot of lesser known authors. Uh, One of my good friends is Karma Brown, who she would be fantastic for your podcast. Um, She's in Toronto. Her next book comes out in June. Um, And she is just delightful. But I love her books. They're they're sadder, more sad than than what I write. You'll definitely want tissues with the books. Um, but her first one, Come Away With Me, is breathtakingly amazing. I love it so much. I love all her books, but that's still among my favorite. Though her next one coming out, um, which is The Life Lucy Knew, is also fantastic. Um, and, and of her four books, that's the latest one. She's just amazing. Um, God, I could just tell you all the books I love forever. I can tell you're a book lover. Is there a... <laughs> uh, and then I love all, I mean, I love fantasy. I mean, I, people, I, I was going to say, is there a genre that you read that people would be surprised that you like? I love read? fantasy, like, and, and science, some science fiction. Like I recently read Ready Player One and I loved it and it was just pure escapism. So I like to read things that are totally different than what I write because then I'm not breaking it apart. Um, I have another good friend. Her name is Sarah Cannon and she wrote a brilliant middle grade called Oddity. Uh, and there are zombie rabbits, and that's really all you need to know, that wear pajamas. Um, <laughs> and it's so astounding, uh, and I just love it. To me, it works like a Pixar movie on so many different levels. Oh, interesting. Uh, yeah, and it's because it's about, if you're, are you familiar with the Night Vale radio podcast? No, I don't think so. So it's this really weird podcast where it's all, I mean, it, it sounds like it's a small town radio show. But as you listen, all this weird stuff happens. Like there's this, like you're not allowed to go in the park, in the dog park ever because you'll die. And like there'll just be strange black clouds ominously hovering. And all this weird stuff happens, but it's normal for this town. So nobody ever thinks anything about it. Uh, So she wrote a book kind of like that. It's about this little town oddity that is run by these little evil puppets and it's set in New New Mexico (laughs) and the rest of the United States is normal. It's just this one little weird town and there are little aliens running around and all of these strange things happening. Is it funny or scary? It's a little creepy. It's a little funny. It's... I'm trying to think. I have a daughter who... Very quirky. It's awesome. Who might like that. She likes more quirky stuff. She would love it. It's not like horror, but it's, I mean, they are creepy puppets. That's the thing. She doesn't like to be scared, but she's okay with some stuff. I think if she could do, if she can read Harry Potter, because let's be honest, there are parts of Harry Potter that are terrifying. (laughs) Oh! Um, But I think, she told me she's going to retry it. She said she thinks she was too young when she started it. How old was she? she? I don't remember how old she was when she read it before, but she's going to be 12 now. And yeah. 
Um, Because I think she opened up a book and it had a boy living under a stair. And I think it was just like too much for her heart. Like she was just like, no. (laughs) And and couldn't get past the like first two chapters. (laughs) Yeah, that's different than Voldemort's head in the back. Yeah, she didn't even get to that. No, no. that's super creepy. Yeah. Um, yeah, my my daughter had started reading those way too young and had made it to book three with the um, Dementors, and she's like, that's too much, and then was able to pick them up a few years later yeah. and devoured the rest of the series. Yeah. Um, but I, I think it's very age-appropriate for a 12-year-old. I, okay. My my 12-year-old read it and loved it and thought it was great. We're definitely going to check that out. Yeah, it's fantastic. So yeah, I could tell you all day long, I love Game of Thrones, I love... Um, you know, I cut my teeth on The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. So, yeah. All of it. I read all That's of it. That's fun. Well, I mean, I can tell we could sit here and talk about food and books all yes. day. And I would love to do that. But um, you've probably got some, some grilled cheese to make. So are you ready for the lightning round? Sure. Bring it on. Okay. I've, I've updated the lightning round for you. So okay. um, we've got a couple of questions that are just for amy e reichert awesome um, and i'm trying to put that e in just to make sure that, that thank you because there e. is an amy reichert author she writes picture books okay and yeah, i, I actually went to a signing once and they had ordered a bunch of them. oh <laughs> and i'm like that's very sweet and i'll happily sign them but i did not write these adorable books oh and that's why i put yay. the e in and they're all also- like her publisher someplace was like, why did all these yeah. books get well, Her bought? publisher's actually Simon and Schuster, which is kind of funny. Oh. Dark or milk chocolate? Dark, always. Milk chocolate's useless. Coffee or tea? Coffee. All, yeah, in fact, I'm still drinking my morning coffee. Oh, sounds delicious. What do you put in your coffee? I put in a lot of half and half, like an embarrassing amount of half and half. It looks a very light, sandy brown by the time I'm done. Women need to get their calcium, Amy. That's right. That's where I get my calcium. I'm good. <laughs> when your phone rings, do you answer it? Never. Unless it's my somebody I know. Right. But if it is a number I, I don't recognize, absolutely not. So when Chris Evans finally does call me, I'm going to screen his phone call. <laughs> Just so you know, Chris, you have to leave a really charming message. That's right. <laughs> How do you normally waste time on the internet? Um... <sighs> It depends on what level of wasting time I want to go. Um, for instance, I have a lot of TV shows and movies that I'm into, so I can spend a good couple hours reading recaps. Um, if I'm really, really procrastinating, then I've gone to BuzzFeed, and I'm just down that rabbit hole. <laughs> the quiz? You take the oh, quiz? so many quizzes. I love the quiz, yes. But that's usually like I'm writing and... Um, and I just don't want to do it anymore, so I'm looking for anything. Makes sense. Uh, on your next vacation, will you be at the mountains or the beach? Um, I will be at the beach because we're going to be going to North Carolina. Um, literally. Uh, but I do prefer a nice mix of both. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you call it soda or pop? It is soda. These pop people are crazy pants. Though there are a lot of places in Wisconsin. Like, if you go a little further north, it's pop. I was wondering about Wisconsin. I wasn't sure. I thought maybe you might have a pop. Is Minnesota pop? I feel like there's, like, a... I feel of... like Minnesota's pop. Yeah. I don't know, though. I have to... Minnesota authors and readers, please chime in. Yes. All right. There is an asteroid 
that's going to hit the world Mm -hmm. and destroy it in half an hour. Okay. Would you indulge in a slice of coconut cake, a (laughs) slice of lemon pie, or a cold mug of cider? Oh, interesting. I don't see why I have to choose. Um, (laughs) I think all of those things go together. It's the last half hour. Aren't you just going to put them all? Yeah, I, I think I'm putting them all together. It's spoken like a true foodie. <laughs> yeah. All right. This might not have been the best question for the lightning round because it all might right. take a while. But okay. what's the best cheese for grilled cheese? <gasps> Combination. Um, I actually know this is something I feel strongly about. Um, I, I think that a combination, um, I think a little bit of sharp cheddar is really nice in there for flavor. But cheddar is not a great melting cheese. Uh, so you need to combine it with some other cheeses. Uh, I really like, um, we call it Colby Jack. It's a mixture of Colby mm-hmm. and Monterey Jack marble cheese. Is a really great melting cheese. And I also think provolone. So, in fact, the most recent grilled cheese I made had those three things in there. Sharp cheddar, Colby Jack, and provolone. I think makes a really nice melting cheese. I've also had one with smoked Gouda in it that is divine. Um, I tend to lean away from American cheese because, you know, it's not real. No. <laughs> but it's, it's makes, acceptable. This makes me laugh because I say something. It's actually a holdover from a roommate of mine in college uh-huh. who used to say, um, if you put two types of cheese on something, it makes it gourmet. Yes. And so <laughs> I, my kids have grown up with me being like, this is gourmet. And they're like, really? I'm like, it's got two types of cheese. <laughs> that i really really wish i knew that line because it would have totally been in the book you can steal it i feel like wisconsinites should know that two types of cheese there's something two, well but let's be honest i put two types of cheese in just about anything so i guess i'm a full-on gourmet chef you are you are oh, i love that when it comes to books are you more likely to buy a cover with abs or a beach Ooh, i'm probably more likely to by the beach yeah um not because i have anything against cover with abs but usually those are contemporary romances and i prefer historical romances so now if those abs are in like a puffy white shirt then it's probably the puffy white shirted abs (laughs) i know exactly what you mean the puffy white shirt abs it is a distinction, yes. isn't it? It's a genre it is. distinction. It is. Are you a greasy tattooed ab or mm. are you a puffy white shirt ab? I that pref- should be a good question. Yes, yeah. I prefer the puffy white shirted abs. I love historical romance. It's one of my favorites. Uh, God, we could talk about this all day. All right, yes. keep going, keep going. Focus, focus. <laughs> Very it's going to be your longest podcast ever. No, it's not. Let me tell you. There's some where I'm just like, we're going to make this a four-parter. Awesome. Um, Very important. Last question. Okay. What are your feelings about turning to the last page of a book first? Oh, I don't ever do it. I'm okay if other people do it. Yeah. But I personally, that's not my thing. I will, however, flip to the back and read the acknowledgments. I always read the acknowledgments beforehand. Oh, yeah, I don't want to know what happens at the end. And I get why people do it, because they want to know if it's a happy ending or, but no, I'm not, that's not my thing. 
Amy, thank you so much for coming on today. This was a blast. It was a blast. Thank you for having me. Yes, of course. Congratulations on your release. Optimist Guide to Letting Go is out in stores, and I know it's going to be huge. Thank you. And for people who want to know more about where they can find you or what's coming up next, what should they do? Uh, They can go to my website, which is amyereichert.com. And that is where I have all of my events posted. I will be doing a little mini tour for a couple weeks after and then a few events throughout the rest of the year. So kind of keep an eye on that to see if I'm coming to your neighborhood. Uh, And that's also where you can get the links to my Facebook, uh, Twitter, and Instagram. Those are kind of my three playgrounds on the internet uh, where I tend to post something daily-ish. Twitter is where I like to be silly the most. So if you like silliness, follow me there. <laughs> That's so awesome. But unfortunately, you will not be traveling the country in your grilled cheese mobile. I will not be in a grilled cheese food truck doing my book tour. That I should, but no. Sadly, hashtag no. goals. Hashtag. That is a hashtag very big publishing goals. <laughs> Thank you for joining us today. If you like this podcast, please go to iTunes, subscribe, and leave a review. And if you want to share your love of a book with the world, you can go to our Facebook page and leave a comment. Or, this is the fun part, I have an actual phone number in our show notes. Call, leave a message about a book that you love and you want the world to know about, and I'll try to play your voicemail on the air so that you can be a part of this podcast, which, after all, is all about reading and readers. This is Lindsay Emery on Women With Books. Keep reading.